The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. We all know our Miranda rights, one being that you have the right to an attorney. Gary Lewis was convicted of arson charges. During his preliminary examination, Lewis's attorney was taken off the case. Lewis did have an attorney representing him at trial. He's appealing his conviction because he did not have an attorney representing him at his preliminary hearing. And the Michigan Supreme Court is going to hear arguments on the rights of criminal defendants to have an attorney during their preliminary exam. Joining us is Michael Middlestadt. He is the, director, the deputy director of the Michigan State Appellate Defender Office, which represents Lewis in this case. Michael, let's start by explaining what happens at a preliminary hearing. What happens, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me and happy holidays. Uh, what happens at a preliminary examination is a judge uh, listens to a cursory uh, review of the testimony and the evidence against the defendant and makes a determination whether there is enough evidence to bind the defendant over for a trial. Um, and it's a, it, usually it's a, it's a fairly uh, one or two witness situation because the discovery is not complete, but it is a critical stage in our opinion um, th- uh, that uh, the right to counsel is very important at. So what happened here? Lewis did have an attorney at the start of the preliminary examination, what happened? Yeah, the preliminary examination began, and Mr. Lewis expressed dissatisfaction with his counsel. Um, the judge uh, refused to replace his attorney, and he uh, complained uh, too much of, to the displeasure of the judge, so the judge ended up taking the defendant out of the room, leaving just the attorney. Well, w- once that happened, um, the judge then turned to the attorney and said, well, I guess you can leave as well, because uh, not only have, you know, Mr. Mr. Lewis was trying to fire you, so I'm going to let you off. So not only did we have a preliminary examination without the defendant, but we had a preliminary examination without any lawyer at all. So he was not represented at all during part of his preliminary examination. That's correct. That's correct. Now, you, you're, what is your argument as far as why this should be, his conviction should be overturned? Yeah. Our argument is that normally uh, when there's a defect in the adequacy of somebody's representation at trial, you have to show prejudice. You have to show that there was some uh, effect on the outcome of the proceedings. There is an exception to that rule that says that if there's a complete denial of counsel at a critical stage of the proceedings, uh, we presume prejudice. And our argument is that prejudice should be presumed in this case and that um, it so infected the proceedings that Mr. Lewis should be given a new trial. There's a lot that goes on at these preliminary examinations. The, uh, the, the state's case is tested. Um, testimony is, uh, they have an opportunity to uh, lock in witnesses' testimony to impeach them at a later trial. There are um, plea negotiations that go on. You see lots of pleas entered uh, prior to the startup or even in the middle of preliminary examination. So the, the role of counsel is very important and, and, and vitally important in this situation. And it's our position that, uh, that it really infected the, the entire proceedings in this case. Now, the prosecutors, the prosecuting attorneys who are defending the conviction say that 
it isn't a critical stage of the case if a defendant is later convicted at trial with an attorney present and that the error is then harmless. Yes, how do you answer? How do you correct. respond to that? Well, it, it, it's our position that takes a, a very narrow view uh, of uh, what critical stage means. I think there's no dispute, really, that uh, Michigan considers a preliminary examination a, a critical stage. Um, I think that argument focuses too closely on whether there was probable cause, whether the judge made the right call or whether there was enough evidence to bind the defendant over. Like I said before, there's so much more that goes on at these proceedings that you can't uh, quantify that um, it, it, it so uh, it attacks the structure of the proceeding that we presume prejudice under, this, under these circumstances. There's a slippery slope there, too, because if we go down this path, if the defendant is then deprived of, uh, of counsel at other stages, then we're going to say, well, uh, we think the evidence was enough and we're just going to affirm his conviction anyways. And where do you stop? Where do you draw the line? At some point, the Sixth Amendment has to be enforced. Michael, it's it's always surprising to me that 50 years after the Miranda warnings were put into effect, that things like this haven't been nailed down by now. No, that's correct. Uh, about 30 years ago was when the U.S. Supreme Court first sort of defined the contours of the right to counsel and the ineffective assistance of counsel at proceedings and what appellate courts should do. And it has been an ever-evolving uh, uh, area of the law. That's, that's correct. Yeah, new, new circumstances are, are presented. This is a fairly unique case. I, I, I've never seen a circumstance where both the defendant as, and his attorney were removed from the preliminary examination. Um, so, you know, every, every case is different, and every case presents a new set of circumstances for the appellate courts to address. And just briefly, we have about 30 seconds. Was there another, did you make this request to another court before the Michigan Supreme Court? Court? Yes. The way Michigan is, is there's the uh, intermediate appellate court, the Michigan Court of Appeals. We actually prevailed in the Michigan Court of Appeals. They agreed with our argument and they reversed Mr. Lewis's conviction. The state then appealed and the Michigan Supreme Court is now going to take a look at it. All right. Interesting case. Thank you for joining us here on Bloomberg Law. That's Michael Middlestad. He's deputy director of the Michigan State Appellate Defender Office. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow and hope that you will be as well. Thanks to our technical director, Chris Tricomi, and our producer, David Sucherman. Coming up on Bloomberg Radio, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. What do you have for us, Carol? Hi, June. Well, we're going to be taking a look at uh, HGTV beating CNN in the ratings for all of those of you who like Fixer Upper and love it and list it. Uh, and uh, also going to take a look at uh, U.S. consumers holding off buying cars. So. I love to watch Fixer Upper. I just never get to Fixer Upper. <laughs> so <laughs> to actually do it, stay tuned for Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.